I remember speaking to a coach early on uh, in this work and this coach would always, every time I talked to him, he would tell me about recent successes, but I didn't need him to do that, nor did I ask him to do that. And, and I realized it wasn't about anything that we were doing. It was about him. He felt that his, the resume was who he was. Welcome to episode six of the Untapped Potential podcast. Today's guest is with Stu Singer. Stu Singer is a highly experienced sports psychologist, performance consultant, and founder of Well Performance. He's worked with teams in the NBA, WNBA, NCAA, Major League Soccer, and the National Women's Soccer League. He's passionate about helping people sharpen their high performance skills, most importantly, in a healthy and sustainable way. You're going to love this conversation. I certainly did. You're going to hear it from both Stu's perspective as a practitioner and he's the first sports psychologist to have that I've, I've spoken to so far. You're going to hear from his psychological point of view, his, his psychology point of view, obviously all aimed at us, the practitioners. Just to remind you, if you enjoy this episode, please leave a review on iTunes or Spotify platforms. By doing this, you're actively going to help spread this content to practitioners that need it. Like I said, you're going to enjoy this episode. Without delaying you any further, here's the conversation with Stu Singer. Welcome to today's episode with Stu Singer. And Stu, thank you so much for offering your time and insight and expertise on, on this podcast. I'm excited to be here, Richard. Yeah, just for anyone listening, kind of Stu reached out to me a while ago now, beginning of the year, I think, or kind of around that year. And um, we've just He's been having these wonderful kind of catch up and meetups uh online of course um throughout this year and i've found them really valuable and and kind of really value you now being you know part of part of this and and the network that i have to reach out to so yeah thank you for that and i feel the same way touching on some of the conversations and you know this podcast is all about um the practitioners you know the coaches and practitioners that are supporting elite athletes and i think kind of what you're the first sports psych to have on on this show, sports psychologist, and um, I think you're going to have two really interesting perspectives. One through your own experience of being a practitioner, and two, obviously, through your trained lens as as a psychologist. And so, I remember us talking um, a while ago, and I think the first place I'd love to start is is around the idea of when you potentially. Uh, if that quote from you kind of getting it wrong with regards to overworking and how that impacted your life and maybe a bit about that scenario that where you realized you were overworking yeah i i don't know if the if the exact term for it would have been overworking but what i did realize was that i was on um you know the the merry-go-round of of coming home being home for you know a few weeks a couple weeks at, at most and then being gone again and and then you know coming back and then being gone again and and just and just taking on as much as i could possibly take on regardless of whether it it fit exactly right or or um i don't want to say regardless of of thinking about my family cuz i did and and certainly would always talk to my wife about how this was going to work and fit but i felt like we were just on this this merry-go-round and um it was covid um that that happened and everything shut down 
and I no longer was traveling. And I was probably traveling for work, meaning going to different uh, colleges in the U.S. or or, or with other professional teams um, to work with them, and and you know, year round for for years, and and you know, then all of a sudden everything comes to a stop. So at one point you're, you're constantly, you know, getting it. You're in, I'm in airports all the time. I'm in hotels. I don't know what city I'm in. Sometimes I forget, you know, where I'm, where I am even. And, um, and then it stops. And at first it feels wonderful. Then it feels, uh, anxiety producing because what if it really, really stops? And this is how, you know, I help to support my family um but somewhere within that time frame i realized i wanted to do things a bit differently and i didn't want to be leaving all the time i don't mind leaving sometimes and and i do feel like you know the work when i'm one on one or face to face i guess i should say is very important but i just don't want to be doing it all the time i don't want to be gone as much as i was gone um and so that was the realization moment i think for myself and and for my wife and i to realize like we can make this work um but it doesn't need to be me gone all the time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you think you were aware of that pre-covid like when you were in it was there signs that you could see or do you and i say this because from many of the conversations i, I think yeah uh, uh, around boundaries around work-life balance gone a very common thing within practitioners finding some sort of i think balance is probably not the right word but some sort of harmony within that and many uh, that i've spoken to anyway reached a crisis point which made them realize like what am i doing like, and before that they couldn't see it and so for anyone listening who might my point in saying this is and, and seeing if you had any signs that you're aware of just to kind of help maybe allow people to if they are in the space right now or they're not sure like if there are any signs that you could see person um it's weird because i'm going to actually answer this in with yes and no let's say um so one of my big core beliefs is that i must um walk the walk not just talk the talk so as as a mental health professional as someone that's helping people be fully engaged in their work but in a healthy way i always kept perspective of like well what does that mean for me okay so i never let it completely leave me Mm -hmm. but the quick answer is yeah i remember being in an airport by myself you know meaning i guess without my wife without my kids and you know you and i was just like what am i what am i doing i was looking around and i was seeing families traveling and Mm -hmm. you know and spouses together and i i was just like i what am i I, what am i doing Mm -hmm. i'm this isn't where i want to be right now Mm -hmm. but i didn't so going back to your question of like were you in it but didn't see it i yeah, I was in it and I didn't see it. And then I, I did have this moment of of remembering, kind of just looking around, being in an airport alone and just being like, I'm here all the time in these places, maybe not that airport, but in airports all the time alone. Mm-hmm. And that's not how I want to do the majority of my life, you know, mm-hmm. being in hotels and airports and 
dinners <laughs> where you just buy yourself off. And, um, and I, I, so there was like an epiphany moment then. And yet, you know, when I was home with family, I was always, you know, I was specific in being present as much as I possibly could. I made as many decisions business-wise, professionally, that included where are my kids, you know, sporting events and when, you know, so that I don't miss things as much as possible. And so I, I, and I took care of myself in terms of, you know, working out and, you know, I'm, I'm a massive believer in mindfulness meditation. So staying true to those principles. So I, I was doing things, but I think I was a bit in, um, you know, almost in autopilot where I, what I was also doing everything and just not realizing like I was losing some of the fulfillment, not in the work, but in the bigger picture of life. Yeah. Right. Right. I think that's really well said. And it sounds like you, I you know, kind of we've spoken before many times, but your family seems really close. And so again, for any practitioner who's, who's like, well, how do I change this? What type of things, Kind of, did you work out? Well, how does this? Maybe you know if you can. I don't know if this is an easy thing to describe, but like a, a, <laughs> the process you went through with your partner or your family to say, look, how can we change this? What? Because I think I hear again. I've heard many people, many practitioners describe that they, they have a sense of feeling trapped. A, maybe they're earning a really good money in a particular salary in a particular position, which there are few, relatively few of those. Or two they just can't see another way of how to do things differently. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, I think in hindsight, um, conversations and, and communication, I guess, between my wife and I was always good. So we always, you know, we did a lot of planning together, no matter what, anyway, prior to all this. Um, but, you know, when I look back on it, you know, the start of this is, is like any career is, you know, you must hustle, you have to, you know, you have to take opportunities when they present themselves, you know, you're, you're establishing your credibility and your, and, and everything. And so I was, we were both very, uh, you know, we were aggressive minded in terms of taking the opportunities, mm -hmm. but maintaining communication around how, how's everything going. Right. Um, it's funny because just before this uh, um, interview, I actually had a coach that I was working with and we were talking and, you know, talking about being grateful and being grateful for family and the, and all that support. And I shared with him a story of, uh one of my first years of really being involved at the division one level of sport um and i i told him that i remember calling my wife the night that um the team that i was working with won uh to to make it to the final four in ncaa basketball and called her after the game and we both just started crying mm -hmm. uh because it was not me that achieved that it was not even me and her technically it was the players that achieved it really but but that culmination that experience was because of the support that she had given we have three kids you know she was you know working full-time herself and 
committed to helping me make this happen and the sacrifices that she was making so that I could pursue this. Um, and so that stuff never left our vision, our sight. So we were very clear on making sure that we never, ever, ever let that leave because as important as what, I, I mean, I feel I, I'm blessed to do what I do and I'm I'm passionate about what I do. It's not as important as her or or my kids. And I won't ever, ever make a choice that's not in their best interest, our collective best interest. And that never leaves us. That, again, another powerful example. And I think relating a common, if I paraphrase, but a common phrase that has come through in uh, the research process I did was, you know, the idea of, I've supported athletes to reach Olympic success or championship success or tournament success, whatever sport. And I've waited this emotional rush to hear and it hasn't come. I thought this is why we do what we do. And it's like, like from the practitioner that said that to me, it kind of put them on this huge spiral of why am I doing this? What are the, the, the idea of success? What is success? And what it sounds like to me, you know, because you're such a team, it's this, it's so much, the result is almost, uh, it's this, it's this, joint venture that you're both you're both involved in you sit up both involved in and so i suppose the next question is what how do you see success what is success to you um again uh, just so timely in in these questions again you know working with the the coach that i was just working with and we literally just did um a core values um right. exercise and I've done this exercise myself. And, and so what I mean by that is um, I've, um, I just start with, with writing down all the values that I have, um, or I ask the client to, to, to just, what do you value, mm -hmm. period, whether life, work, fam, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. what do you value? And just write it down. Don't because it can be very hard. It can, you know, especially if you're like, oh, I, I have to get my core value. No, just write down everything that you value. Mm. And if it's a dozen things, if it's fifth, so what? Just write it down. And then we'll pare it down. And then the goal is to pare it down to about three core values that you can really, and that means getting rid of some that feel very powerful. Mm -hmm. And and for me. Uh, I reached these three core values. Uh, one is my family. Uh, two is health. Um, so uh, both mental and physical health. Right. And then three is in, in work related is like genuine, genuine care for my clients. Um, meaning that I want them to feel my that my that what i I'm, i want for them is their fulfillment their success based in like what is it that they want and and do they feel that from me not do they feel the paycheck not do they feel you know recognition but do they feel that that that's that i care about what they care about mm -hmm. and yeah, I, I define success through the lens of those three core values, you know, yeah. to my to my wife and, and my kids and those that are closest to me know that I genuinely care about them. 
uh, and probably hear it on a daily basis. Yes. Uh, do I take care of my physical and mental health, you know, and how do I know that? What are my routine? And then lastly, you know, would my clients ultimately say that that's what they feel from the experience of mm -hmm. our work? And I, I think on a typical day, the answer would be yes. I'm sure that I fall short some days, but I, but I think on a, on a typical day, the answer would be yes. And so I can define success even in a losing season, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. Uh, not that we're happy about a losing season, not that that, you know, there's not, you know, very, very hard and challenging days when that might be the case. Um, but I, yeah, I, I can still define like, Hey, we're, we're moving towards our true North. Um, mm. and that's everything. If you can do that, I think. Mm. Yeah. Great answer. And I think, uh, like there's so many things kind of with this conversation, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm listening to what you're saying. I suppose what you're talking about, like the work you're doing with a coach, and I really want to come into mindfulness and, and kind of the work you do in that space. But I suppose kind of leading into what it what to me, what you're describing about the idea and looking at values, mindfulness, being aware of physical mental health. Kind of what you're describing to me is a process of whether it's personal development or self-growth. And I will be interested to hear what, what's your definition of self-growth? And I say this, I suppose, before you answer a paper was put out, which I'll put below uh, in the comments below or the, the description okay. below recently about, um, from Dave Hamilton and Brad DeVise and a, a kind of a few other people. And I found it really interesting. It's looking at the, the characteristics of um, and attributes of um, high performance director in American sport. And so the idea that the high performance director has got many plates spinning, almost like the, the conductor of many different departments you know you've got all these different departments that you're kind of managing as a, as a and one of the elements that was mentioned in this paper kind of opportunities for self-growth and i suppose coming back to me and, and many of the conversations i used to see self-growth or personal development through just my technical lens through technical lens of developing as a strength coach and or and again the conversations through the various domains that people work in and i, I think that left for me a massive blind spot i couldn't see it and again i couldn't see that at the time but I thought just upskilling and te technical qualities was me growing. But in fact, you know, it wasn't at all. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm going to answer it from, from, uh, two, two spaces almost, I, I think, when I think about this. So, um, I have a, uh, technique that I use that I kind of, um, I, I, I guess that I kind of, put it together over the years of experience um, that I call the um, two truths. Um, and, he, and here they are. The first truth is that I am forever a work in progress. So it's kind of this acceptance that I'm never going to reach this full and total mastery of anything. And I accept that. And I accept it with, with, uh, excitement because I think it would not be great to think I'm going to reach the end of my development. I, I don't, I don't want to reach the end of my development. So instead of being miserable about the thought of like, ah, oh, like I'm not good enough. I don't think of it like that. I just think of it as an exciting, I, there's more to learn forever. But the second part of that truth is that I'm also exactly where I should be right. today. 
And that's based in like, how can I be further than whatever my life experience has allowed me to become? So, so on one hand, I accept that there's more to learn and grow, but I'm not angry with myself because where I am right now is, is where I'm meant to be because I can't be further along because whatever experience I need, whatever knowledge I need, I don't to get to the next, I maybe I don't have it yet. Uh, so that's, so that's one part of the, the of that equation of self growth. But the other that I would say is, and I, I I read this recently. This is not long ago that I that I read this, and I thought, man, that's it. Actually, like self growth is actually doing the um, self awareness work that allows us to break from the the. Um, the belief that this is all we can be. And I think, I think most of us, most people, I, 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 let me just say this. I'll speak for myself and I'll speak for the majority of my clients. Right. Is that I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for the people that I've interacted with. What limits us typically is not actually what we're capable of, but what we've kind of told ourselves that we're capable of. So it's actually just breaking free of these dumb stories that we tell about it. And so like for me, self-growth is actually just like getting better and better at just saying, no, that's a story. That thing is just a story that you were telling yourself, get out of that habit because typically it's a habit and then see what happens. And then you tend to to kind of grow and become more, if nothing else, just more authentically you, more comfortable in your own skin, what have you. But to me, that's it. But it's it's not like, oh, give me more knowledge yeah, as much right. as it is, is stop the old storylines. Right. And then the knowledge and the experience just kind of flow from there. Right. I love that description so well. I, I really... I can't so... take it, though. I don't... I read it. <laughs> like, that's it. But... I do think I was on the path and yeah. to me where mindfulness is, comes in is exactly this. So I can, you know, it, it might be a good segue to that. Yeah. Part yeah. Of it. yeah. Please do, just expand on, yeah, expand, expand on that. And, and I suppose maybe whether it's now or, or in a minute, kind of your lens or even your, you know, your professional lens, the idea of slow self-esteem, because uh, potentially that's a story then, isn't it? And, and, because so many seem to be affected, and I was, but so many seem to be affected by this low self-esteem, which is fueling this drive to, yeah, to never happy, never happy with their achievements, never happy because they they don't feel, just from some of the comments that I've heard, like it just sounds like the way, and I wonder, yeah, I wonder what you, so mindfulness and, and, and yeah, your perspective on low self-esteem. And, Man, you know, it's all <laughs> tied in together, though. It's beautiful. It's so powerful and yet so like sometimes it can feel so out of reach, um, but it's yeah. not. Uh, the beautiful part is it is not. It is not out of reach. So I think what you're referencing probably to a certain degree when you're talking about that um, um, self-confidence uh, or low self-esteem is because often everything that we're looking for is external. Hmm. And, 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 Again, in in terms of the work that you do, and I'm, you know, you and I've had so many great conversations. So I'm, you know, I feel pretty familiar with the your work and 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 the conversations that I think you have with other professionals. Is that 
everything, especially in high performance world, although you could probably say it's the same if you're a lawyer and you're an accountant, whatever, right. is like, how are you recognized by the people in your industry? And what can you put onto your resume to say that you're good? And, you know, I, I, I remember speaking to a coach early on uh, in this work and this coach would always, every time I talked to him, he would tell me about recent successes, but I wasn't asking and it wasn't bragging either. It was like, he was trying to convince me of who he, that he was worthy, but I didn't need that. And it was, I, I was just like, what's going on? And I recognized it was almost like selling their resume every single time that he spoke to me, but I didn't need him to do that, nor did I ask him to do that. And, and I realized it wasn't about anything that we were doing. It was about him. He felt that hit the resume was who he was. Right. And, and so, but it's, you can't win that game. Not because your resume is not wonderful. You're it you could be, but because you'll always think you need to add more to a resume. You'll never, you if that's the game that you're playing, it's like a scoreboard, you know, in life, and you just keep going, well, I gotta get more points. I need more points. Right. Because someone's catching up. And 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 so there's no and so for me, that lack of self-esteem comes from people just don't they're always judging themselves in comparison to others or what somebody's done today even if they've had wonderful that everything's wonderful oh i didn't do this so now somebody's getting ahead and and it's and it just is this non-stop storyline i need to prove to mm -hmm. others mm -hmm. and it's a hard game to get out of but but the game is ultimately about learning how to i'm not in i'm not in a race with anybody else um getting to know yourself what, again going back to what you value most i want to briefly interrupt this conversation especially around the idea of getting to know yourself and so i want to draw your attention to the practitioner needs analysis coaching program the conversation in my research has shown clearly that 160 highly successful practitioners supporting some of the world's greatest athletes have on one level achieved a great deal in high performance sports and academia Yet on a much more personal level, many are quietly suffering to maintain the perception of being successful and happy. This is the inconvenient truth sitting just under the surface within our high performance environments. The cost of this truth ranges from divorce, absent parent, physical and mental illness, all of which contribute to limiting the performance impact we all strive so hard to achieve. The human element has been forgotten, with many top practitioners now finding ways to leave our beloved industry. My research process has spawned the services I now provide to support performance practitioners. Athletes have a vast array of options within their support network to help them thrive, optimize, and activate their full expression. But very little is currently aimed at offering this unique support for performance practitioners. This is where the Practitioner Needs Analysis Coaching Program fills that gap. The Practitioner Needs Analysis allows you to identify what qualities are most important for you to show up in your role, career, and life in your fullest expression. It provides an inner analysis that highlights the components of your life, giving you clarity in what is blocking you, how it's blocking you, and what you need to do to release those blocks. 
This guides you to tailor your goals and actions away from potential burnout, divorce or illness and instead towards one where you thrive as a practitioner and in your personal life. To find out more about the group and one-to-one options Men Behind Sport offers, visit www.menbehindsport.com or email me at richard at menbehindsport.com. Links are below. Now, to return back to this great conversation with Stu Singer. Um, you know, being willing, I, I do think that there's a beauty. I don't want to make this sound like I love trying to achieve really challenging things. That's There's nothing wrong with that. It just can't be at the expense of your wellness, um, you know, and other things that you value greatly. Mm. Um, and then the biggest part is, and you, you alluded to this, but I had a very, I had an epiphany. Um, we, uh, the Washington mystics and the WNBA, we won WNBA championship, 2019, great team, great coaching staff, great relationships, um we had known that we were in place to do this as the season began so there was a vision from the start it wasn't this random experience it was about as good as you could ask for that night we celebrated till we into the morning hours i had to get up and get a flight at 9 a.m uh or i'm sorry had to get up and be at the airport by nine flight at 10 and i was on a call with a client by three o'clock that afternoon, my life did not change. Mm-hmm. I had this unbelievable experience, the pinnacle of professional sport. And within hours, I had to get back to work. Right. And don't get me wrong, I still value that experience, but it actually did not change anything beyond great relationships, great memories. I still work with many of the same athletes, same coaches, and we, it's wonderful in that regard, but I don't stop. Life doesn't stop. The world doesn't stop. And if you think that that's going to be the thing that tells you that you're okay, it won't be. And I think that's what you were alluding to earlier. Yeah, for sure. I I think, and I I was sucked into that and, and by my, my no, no one to blame. That was all, that was my my stories, and, and I've heard that a lot. And I, I think, I guess, bef- before we dive into mindfulness, and uh, as a because in a way that's potentially a, a, a tool, a solution, maybe one. But uh, what you just described there, like the team, you're talking about a team. You're talking about a really great team, staff, relationships, and I suppose what to you then makes an elite performance staff department environment so not not the athletes but the, from your point of view whether it's your experience your 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 um psych um psychologist point of view and i suppose again a, an element um i suppose leading into low you know uh low self-esteem or, or sense of low worth callum walsh i've talked to him about him a lot um in a few of these podcasts but he's been on this podcast in the first episode second episode He's doing a doctor at the moment in looking at why professional football is broken. So soccer, if anyone in America. And one of the things that he's uncovering is the idea around staff have this perception of self-preservation. They need to protect themselves, uh, whether it's uh, job insecurity, whether it's um, competition for roles uh, and job, job insecurity. You know, if a new manager comes in, who's going to get fired? But really the idea of self-preservation, which then breeds and or, or is... Um, leading to 
kind of defensiveness holding like trying to stand out trying to be like you know look, look at the impact i'm having that's their fault uh you know like this this idea of just protection it's a sense of protection so i wonder from your point of what what makes an uh, i suppose psychological safety or um a, a really good environment from your your point of view well, you know, I do want to say, un unfortunately, maybe you and I and, and maybe some of your other um, guests um, pulling back the curtain a bit on high performance world is that's pretty common that that uh, everybody's in that self-preservation mode mm -hmm. and a bit of the self-promotion mode. Mm -hmm. I, I should say everybody, but you can feel that within mm -hmm. the environments often. Yeah. Um, and to the point where it's it's not good it's not particularly good um you know to to be functioning that way uh so with that being said i i think i can name three really really um important parts the very first one is i think when a staff uh is fully curious so very just interested in best practices, new thinking, um, that it's validated to bring thoughts that are not how we've always done it mm -hmm. to the table. Right, right. And being genuine about that, like really genuinely interested uh, in that. I think valuing care, so really caring, like you know the the longer i'm in high level sport the more i realize it is a it's a it's an unbelievably challenging environment you're you're literally on the, the these people are on the world stage they're they're being viewed and picked apart <laughs> um you know in a way that i mean no like as of today there's no way that an athlete 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years, and certainly after that or before that, were picked apart. I mean, they're picked apart for hours and hours after the fact of, of a performance that they've put their entire lives into. Mm. Like people don't realize all these people that are performing, they miss holidays, they miss birthdays, they miss anniversaries, they miss funerals, they miss weddings. They spend their lives in in they eat a certain way they sleep certain way just for this experience uh to perform and then get picked apart uh unmercifully yeah and so i have a real respect for the fact that they're in the arena right they're actually literally and figuratively in the arena and it's painful so so you must find a way to care about these humans because and because it's a hard hard life yes there's a lot of reward to it and there's a lot of blessing to it but it is a very very hard and, and a, a, just a tremendous amount of hanger honors people that are trying to get theirs through yeah. you know because they know or believe they know and so genuine care so so you know being curious as a staff, showing real human care, and then and then the the last piece is this um, ability to trust and be trustworthy. Right. 
Right. And I think if you can care for people, you can you can show trust, but also be you know trust trustable. Yeah. And and then staying curious, not thinking you ever know it all, and being willing to listen to people who maybe aren't on the same you know depth chart as you, but yet you're willing to listen. And I'm telling you that that year we had that. We had great respect from player to player. We had great respect from player to coach, from coach to to athlete um, across domains. So whether it was the medical staff, whether it was the performance staff, whether it was the on-court staff, the player, it was, it was a lot of just genuine respect and, and it, it, you felt it, 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 it wasn't just reach the finish line. Well, it was a group of people that were on, on the same page and, and were genuinely happy for one another in, in every way. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think those things are really, really big. And can I, can I just add Please this say. one piece around the idea of like that, that environment hmm. to me, the reason that we have that quasi or close to toxic environment in, in high performing environment is because people haven't f- understood that what they value. Right. At that point, all they value is the next win or the yeah. next dollar, the next contract that they can. And and so, of course, they're protective of that. Right. But but yeah. if you can really become clear, this is my job. This is my role. And this is what I value in that role. And I'm not going to leave that space, even though everybody around me is pulling me to leave that space to be more. no be secretive, be um, boastful, be, you know, make sure everybody knows what you did. Mm. That all, that stuff only matters if you don't know what grounds you to begin with. So that's why it's so imperative. The higher you go, and, and I would say it's important no matter what level you are, mm. but the higher you go, you better understand what it is that you value, value, value deeply so that each day you can wake up with that being because if you don't have that you'll get pulled yeah. to comparison or you'll get pulled towards recognition mm-hmm. because those are the things that we will gravitate towards if we don't have anything else clear that we're shooting for you've kind of answered the question that i was going to ask in a bit in the idea around what attributes do you think away from the x's and o's and the, the technical criteria of whatever domain what what attributes would you encourage practitioners to to look at and i suppose you're, what you're talking about is clarity, yeah, what you said is clarity of values clarity of what you hold true to you which then allows you to step into a place of well not step into just be more authentic be truthful stand in integrity of what you truly believe which then like you said it 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 reduces or stops the amount you're getting pulled around by not knowing that and you will you will absolutely get pulled i mean i i really do believe that and i think what's at the core at least i hope what's at the core of that is care like you know like i i really do believe in that you have to truly um you know, it, it, whether you're a strength coach, whether you're a physio, whether you're a psychologist or whether you're on, you know, on field, on court coach, 
at the end of the day, it is about this. We're in a a, a relationship business. We're in a human. Yeah. We're human, right? It's 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 about trying to have people um, most authentically perform what they're capable of, mm. and you have to feel a level of like I'm protected because the people with me care literally care about this mm. for me not because they care about it for them but because they care about it for that that person mm. and i i don't know a better way and it can be painful right it's it's like a relationship where you're in love and then and then you get you break up yeah. it will be painful mm. if it comes to an end yes but i don't know a better way of approaching it while you're in it than deeply caring yeah and let that guide you and and whatever comes from that can come from that but i won't feel bad if the mm. if the worst thing i did was just really care about the individuals and the group that i'm that i'm working with i think ties in what you said earlier about acceptance acceptance of of what it, of you know sh showing up like that with deep care authentic and just accepting what whatever what comes at you but i suppose the reason i'm saying that is um I've heard some people describe like an environment where they feel they can't be themselves, where they feel they're not the environment is a, is requiring to live and work outside of their values. And so, you know, I, great to hear your, your perspective on that, but I suppose the, like what you're talking about is really maybe facing some hard truths, what you're pretending not to know about the situation and having the empowerment to, if this is not the situation that allows that, choosing another another environment that is more aligned to you yeah and i've had to do that um where i was working um somewhere and i just felt like this isn't good i don't i don't value this i don't yeah. think it's good for the individuals that are trying to perform and live within this environment mm -hmm. um and i did get out of it um um but i recognize that not everybody has i mean that's a it's it it I'm fortunate because I can kind of a little bit pick and choose. I don't want to act like I can just, you know, I mean, it's work to be able to have new options, you know, but a lot of times if someone's working and they're this, this is, they're supporting their family and, and, you know, their spouse potentially isn't working. So they're the only one bringing in money. Um, it, it can be dangerous to try to leave a place, um, you know, it's so it's hard. So I don't want to minimize how challenging that can be. But that's why it's so important to continually know what is it that I really believe in. And, you know, in the moment that I can make that change, maybe you can't do it immediately. But the moment that I can, I want to be able to do that. Well, I mean, you're the fifth five out of five people I've spoken to now have all said having options or having having flexibility in streams of income uh diversity in people you work with whatever it is that you're the, the, the kind of the same messages come through in this like, mm. don't be mm. so pinned in by one don't be so reliant on one source now if you're working for a team then you're full-time there's an element where you you're restricted to do that but i think maybe it's a time and maybe this is the evolution of a practitioner to have diversity in in what they do because you're yeah like i it, because that allows some freedom uh of choice i suppose it, it uh, it's funny that you say that because my wife and i preached our kids all the time the greatest thing that you can have in life is is choices yeah yeah um not 
job titles, not money, not but choices. Do you have options? Right. Because if you live a life where you can not get pinned in mm. any one thing, that's a successful, yeah. you know, that's that's a a healthy way to go through life. Yeah, yeah. And I think it also requires a healthy way and to be not so stuck on the badge or the team or the organization and, and just to if that is the sticky, you know, kind of just pay attention to that and, and maybe soften that. And um leading on then to you know mindfulness and mindfulness meditation, you know, I hope people kind of tune into this because I've said that before how profound it has been in my own experience and what we've spoken about, you, you know, part of your work is um uh as I said in the introduction, kind of around your you're looking or you, what if we find passionate, you're passionate about is high performance in a healthy and sustainable way. And so mm-hmm. some of the things we've spoken about, you know, looking at staff well-being, staff burnout, staff, but I also think, and you've you've touched on it in, you know, how not just the well-being of practitioners, but the impact practitioners can deliver is significantly reduced if they're succumb to some of the things we've spoken about and so from a mindfulness or, or meditation point of view and kind of you know one how did you get into it what what got you into that process but two hmm. your your take on it with regards to obviously well-being but, but leadership or performance I, th- I believe that the way i got into it, it's actually a very interesting question because i don't know if i remember exactly how i did get into it but i um I was a huge uh, Michael Jordan uh, fan growing up, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I remember uh, when he was playing for the Bulls, and and uh, Phil Jackson had brought mindfulness meditation to the Bulls, and that they would talk about it, and they would call him the Zen Master, and I believe that that's where my introduction and reading about it, and you know, and thinking like, man, this sounds interesting, yeah. began. Um, then in my, in my work, um, uh, you know, um, I don't want to get too deep into the woods, but cognitive behavioral therapy, um, and then uh, DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy has big components of awareness of experience and then choice. So, but the first part is you have to be kind of aware of what you're experiencing so that you can choose to respond rather than be reactive to whatever feeling is is kind of created by the experience and and they both you know talk a lot about the use of mindfulness meditation as or or being mindful mm-hmm. and i i think through those experiences i began to be interested in it uh, I read John Kabat-Zinn's book, uh, Wherever You Go, There You Are, which is his book um, um, on kind of teaching what mindfulness is um, in, a, in a Western world, right? right. Uh, Western language, you know, um, not not Eastern philosophy, but 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 maybe from a more Western viewpoint. And I think that helped me. And so I started to dabble in it for a while, but was inconsistent and didn't didn't fully understand it. And then I think about six years in, as I was now working more deeply with athletes and wondering what's the connection um, 
like we need a practice we need we need reps that i i wanted i wanted to find reps for my athletes i didn't want to just teach them like this is a good mindset but how do you get there what do you do when your brain wants to shut off and go you know be riddled with anxiety or with anger um you know um and and because when those things kick in you can't it's hard to choose anything besides Mm -hmm. experiencing those emotions Mm -hmm. those feelings and so I need. I wanted to know what's the reps that I can give them, and I just kept more study, and and I just like this is it. And then it made me say, because like I said to you before, I want I I I walk the walk. If if I'm telling you I want you to do something, I'm promising you that I'm doing it already. I promise you that. And I so I found that I said I'm going to be all in for a month. Can I do this every single day for a month? I did it every day for a month and I've never stopped since. Like that was, you know, well over a decade ago. And I have not stopped since since that month. I haven't stopped. And, you know, going back to that idea of breaking away from the old story that you tell and being authentic, that's where it comes because mindfulness by definition is the non-judgmental awareness of the present moment. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just being aware of what's happening right now, but it's being aware of what's happening right now without judgment, without saying what the moment is, is good or bad. It's just accepting that in this moment, this is what's in front of me. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. It's not right. It's not wrong. It just is. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can observe it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I observed, one of the things that I learned about me was a couple things. One is, is that I was a planner. My mind wanted to plan all the time and it wanted to ask what if questions. And so I gained this deep self-awareness that those are things that drive me. I'm always in planning mode. What's, what's next? What do I have today? What, what do I have to do? And then I asked, oh, my brain was always asking what if questions and what if questions are really ultimately very anxiety producing because it's always like, well, what if this happens? What if I don't achieve this? What if I don't reach this? What if these people feel this way about me? Right. Yeah. And it was learning how to let go of all of that to see it, yeah. not to think I'm bad yeah. because that's, I mean, it's pre- pretty normal. I bet. You might say yeah. I, I did that, or I did that, and I know a lot of people that would say that's me. That you know, I I I was that as well, or I am that. Um, but it's like okay, now that I know that, what do I want to do with that? How do I want to interact with that? Mm-hmm. And you need that space. You need the space between what it is that you think, and then what it is that you want. How you want to respond to those thoughts? Mm-hmm. Some of them I'm going to go with. You know, sometimes I'm going to get angry about something and I'm okay with being angry about that. That's It's not about being calm and zen all the time. Yeah. It's about knowing when do I want to choose to follow that anger, if that's what it is. When do I want to, cha- you know, challenge the anger and say, wait a second, what's that going to do for me? Mm-hmm. But if I, if everything just is the same, if it's all one ball, how do I, how do I manage life? Yeah. Right. Because now the anger is going to direct how I do things rather than me choosing. No, this deserves my 
you know, anger right now. So I'm, I'm going to let it go um, with a little bit of direction rather than just ah, like turn it into, you know, the incredible Hulk and just yeah. going after it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my experience and that, you know, anyone listening and kind of what you think as well, but I, I guess the one of the hardest part for me was it's the feeling, the feeling one, I, I didn't realize how much I, I, try to stop feeling and two mm. or like when he's sitting there and that if that anger if you get that awareness of the anger within and you realize this is not something i want to react to i don't need this or, or, this is in my experience it's kind of this is familiar this this pattern this feeling is familiar but it's not around this situation yes so feeling that just allowing to feel it in my body yeah. oh that's that's for the rubber meets the road you know like that just to not to not react to it and i yeah, it, it's also hard because you've lived a lifetime. When yeah. I say you, I mean most of us have yeah, lived yeah, a yeah. lifetime rejecting certain feelings. Right? We've labeled certain feelings as the good feelings, yeah. other feelings as the bad ones. And if I'm experiencing the bad ones, I need to deny them, reject them, push them away. And what you were saying is like, man, I have to feel this. And even though it sucks to feel this, I need to feel this right now because this is what's what I'm experiencing. And that is hard. But once you can reach that, like I've done it enough now where it's like, okay, I don't have to hate this feeling. It's going to pass. I'm going to work through it is where you start to gain just a deeper sense of what you're capable of. It doesn't make you better than anybody else. It just makes you more like I'm, I'm, I know that I'm going to be okay. Mm. I just have to stay the course a bit, trust in these, these routines and habits, but I'll get there um, rather than I need to reject this because there must be something bad about me, yeah. something uh, unhealthy, something, um, tainted something wrong with me for experiencing it because i'm not supposed to feel these things right right and that's wrong and it only makes them bigger actually if once we try to do that yeah yeah I, I, yeah definitely i could vouch for that um so kind of with with the, i wonder how you see it in in you know where do you see coaches practitioners and, and maybe it comes to kind of the work you do now so you know you touch on it already you're, you're doing some work with coaches and, and practitioners like how obviously not this not the people in the names of the people involved but like how do you work how do you work with them and you know i guess the work the, the kind of coaches that i'm working with it's it's uh like i said before we start recording there are some some coaches that i've spoken with who who do have are fortunate have got a sports psychologist within their team or department they reach out to and it, in a way it's often under the under the radar not no one knows that they're doing that or two um kind of the idea that there's just uh very you know very few environments uh, have this type of support for practitioners so i wonder mm -hmm. yeah i wonder kind of what what you do because anyone anyone really really for anyone any practitioners listening or anyone listening really if you're not in sport at all kind of what's yeah what are the type of things you're working with and, and how do you see the space in sport moving forwards in the next whatever five ten years mm -hmm. where, where would you like to see it go 
for practitioners, mm. Linz? Mm. <laughs> um, well, I can say this. So, so first, from just a, a personal experience, everywhere that I've been embedded in a in a team program, I have absolutely had whether they're formal, whether they're informal at going to dinners, going to lunches, going to, you know, being on a plane, being in a bus, traveling, um, you know, I've had these experiences with, with coaches and, and, and performance staff members, every, every place, you know, where they utilized, like I said, like, or like you mentioned, either formal, like we're going to do this or, informal as in hey can we just hang out and talk for a bit uh periodically um and i i really i value that work and i value that work uh for many reasons but i think um why organization leaders should value that work is because for me to give my best i need to be at my best so if you have a bunch of people who aren't sleeping, yeah. uh, who are not taking care of themselves physically, um, and who are riddled with stress and anxiety, um, imposter syndrome, yeah. how are you in any way thinking you're, that person then is bringing 100% of their best to the table? They can't. Yes. Not their fault because it's often what the environment forces almost right right but so i i want to frame it in this idea that if we're in a high performance environment then the coaches should be also part of the high performance not just because they have knowledge obviously they have knowledge or they wouldn't even be in the seat like yeah that's the that's the kind of the bare minimum actually to get yes. you there then it's all it's this other stuff and so I, I really believe in it and i've been lucky to be able to provide that and and really value that that work um and where do i see it heading i do see it heading in the right direction um but not nearly fast enough um and not nearly as embedded as what it should be even though it is further along than it's ever been mm -hmm. um but man there are still so many people wanting to i don't want to call it stigmatize it i don't think they want to stigmatize it but they don't know how to get out of it it's almost like that's what they've heard so much that yeah. they they're instinctual responses to like mock it a little bit or to to roll their eyes maybe well interesting you say that i'll, I'll put the, i'll put this link to this paper below but there's a there's a paper done this year july i think it was um of, of, say 2023 um on looking at uh mental health conceptualization of mental health um in english premier league so english proper premier league soccer academies and one of the, the limiting factors to seeking mental health with the stigmatization of it and that's at the Premier League level of. So it's interesting you and said yet, that. I just I just shared yesterday on my on my Twitter account um, Thierry Henry talking about the value of mental health and 
what it was like when he was playing how you couldn't say any like literally could not say anything when he in and, and you know yes he's you know a, a, an older legend let's say but i mean it's not that long ago that he was you know on the world stage and yet it does seem like a lot like he, the way he was talking about it is like he it was impossible to speak on this but but then the way he was putting it was like we're all just human beings and everybody's got stuff that comes up and so it's great that we're having these conversations now yeah. even though he felt like he couldn't have and this is you know this was one of the best footballers in the world it, it, maybe of all time we could put him in the you know pantheon talking about this so let's stop the idea that that it's only for people who haven't reached success or haven't yeah. that experienced these things the best of the best experience it and then everybody else as well because we're all just human beings period do you see that support for practitioners like do you see that being an, an internal like provided by organizations teams or do you see it as an external type of coach facing both coach facing services and I, I wonder you know again yeah i wonder i wonder how you see that you know in a perfect world i would hope that every organization values it legitimately and and provides it um again we would never in a million years think about not having a physio on a staff right <laughs> if if you know if somebody twists their ankle we would never in a million think well you got to figure it out on your own we i mean that would be insane yeah. in this modern world so i don't know why we wouldn't think the same exact way around mm -hmm. and not again not just our our athletes but but the whole staff everyone right yeah. yes yeah 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 with that being said i do see that there is value um in when you know, so I have X amount of my client list is actually they hire me directly. I don't, I don't work with their team. They hire me directly, mm -hmm. and man, that work is really, really. I mean, it's in fact some of the the best work that I do because there's this investment, yeah. and they're not worried at all about my connection to the organization. Now, I would tell you, and I think the athletes that I work with in organizations that I work, trust that I'm, I'm not sharing their world with anyone. With that being said, you're in the same building, right? They see yeah. me eating dinner with coaching staff, what have you, and, and it would be human nature to be like, hmm, I wonder what's going on there. Mm. Whereas when you're working individually one-on-one -on -one, no connection to the organization at all i think those athletes feel a comfort and so there's beauty in that as well and maybe what would be greatest if the organization has the money has the resources would be to hey we have this in-house but we also have like set aside x amount but that that could be put towards if you wanted to hire somebody through your agent on your own and we would you know have some level of support so it doesn't have to come out of your own pocket um or they could say it does have to come out of your own pocket but we understand um but either way i do see value in both um and i understand both yeah yeah well uh, a few coaches had kind of touched on that the idea of if it was provided by hr if it meant them going to hr there they would they would worry about that 
whether there's any validity in that i'm not i don't know but their perception anyway of if they were to reach out to their hr department say look i'm struggling right now that yeah that, that i know so I, i've heard that as well in a very kind of real all i can say is that it's real yeah it's real as in that's the way some individuals feel not it's real as in there's a problem yes yes but yeah. that they experience that question in their own mind is it going to come back somehow some way to me and and we do everything we possibly can to make sure that there's the firewalls in between and uh you know and the the you know allowing them to know that what they're doing is confidential yeah. but you know i think it's human nature to a certain degree yeah yeah i mean there's kind of coming to the hour now like I, you said so many wonderful things and i, I wonder before what I want to kind of talk about or finish on really is like the kind of services that you provide mindfulness on you, the app that you provide. But before we go into that, is there anything else that you, you sort of want to add that you haven't done or, and don't worry if you're not I don't know if there's, you know, something that we missed, but I, I would, I would say this and, and, you know, cause I know the audience um, is, is more, you know, the, the coaches performance staff, um that that's listening and you know i i just feel like one of the things that that we all have i think the draw towards going towards working in some of the highest performance environments possible is like this idea of like what's what's on the very edge of best like and we're all somehow we were fascinated with that or we wouldn't be on this path mm -hmm. and yet to know that as you experience those things they will not validate your existence so be interested be curious uh go for it even but don't um convolute that into the belief that once you find it and reach it and experience it that it'll somehow then if there's a hole now in this experience there will be a hole then in your experience like so working on filling that hole along the way along the journey is i promise um is is so important and it will make you better it'll make the experience better you'll feel better in it and i don't know a better like how if that's the case how do you, like that's that's as good as it can be right if you're if you're in it yet also experiencing it in a way where i could do this for 30 years instead of yeah. i can barely get to the end of this year yeah yeah i i can vouch for that the more work i've done on, on it ties with acceptance acceptance of where I am now and that I'm in the perfect place right now. And just yeah. the practice of that, I mean, of variations of that, that's helped me mm. a great deal. And, 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 um, or, yeah, but it takes work. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And to just see it, to be able to be with it, see it and be with it. It's not a quick fix. Again, in my experience, it's, it's, um, that's the work. That's the work there. And it and, is the work. Yeah. Um, but so worthwhile. So yeah. worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, and so kind of with your services, the app, like, yeah, kind of finish on, 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 you know, what, what, how, what, how do you work? 
um what is the the, the doso app i think it is and um yeah anything else that you want to share yeah um well i'll start there the i you know so i, I mentioned to you that um i was in this pursuit of reps like what's the what are the exercise what's the exercise that it's going to take for me to be in the middle of chaos mm. and find clarity and focus and and so um at some point I, you know i came to mindfulness i started using it with my teams and my individual uh clients and one of my clients said why do you keep sending me to somebody else's app i like what you do when you're with us why this is what you're sending us to is different than what you do because i did it with a a focus on the athlete whereas they may have just been going to like a guided meditation app and uh and i was like boy that's actually pretty good question why am i doing that and so we decided to invest in creating uh an app um and uh and it's, so it's called do so uh d-o-s-o and it's available in the app store the link's below by the yeah, what's that the link's below okay and um and so yeah the goal of it is just to give you know 10 to 12 minutes a day for for uh and the, the focus is a bit of sports psychology and then um you know with the then kind of morphs into the use of mindfulness meditation but with a with a performance psychology bent to it and that's that's what that is and um it's been wonderful and we're continuing to work on it and and update it so it's 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 we're proud of it and we want it to continue to grow um and then i guess the focus of my other work is to you know is is working with um you know, at this point, high-level elite uh, athletes are working probably, at, you know, and performing at the professional level, um, and and then working with coaches, um, you know, and and really, you know, to kind of diving into the needs of a coach are really no different than the needs of an athlete. We all need some level of a coach um, in order to bring out, uh, our best yeah. and have a place to go potentially. That's not a peer, um, not another coach on the staff, not even our spouse who, you know, is going to be probably a bit biased. Maybe we don't need bias in, in the moment. We need somebody that's going to give us just straight feedback. Um, and so that's the goal of, of, of that work. And those are kind of the big directional paths that we're on right now. Right, right. Well, the links to your website and the app is below, and some of the references that we spoke about the book, uh, wherever you go, there you are. Um, so you can just check all that below and your Twitter handle and your kind of where people can find you on social. So, um, but yeah, thank you so much, you. I really appreciate it. I've loved this conversation, and um, I'm sure yeah. everyone listening will do as well. I feel like you and I can have these conversations uh, for hours upon hours. So uh, I, as always, appreciate, always feel better when, when, when we have these conversations. Uh, so I appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to this episode. I just want to remind you, if you did enjoy it, if you're taking some really good takeaways from this podcast already, I want to encourage you, invite you to leave a review on Spotify or iTunes. Your action of doing that is directly going to help this podcast reach more practitioners that need it.